Welcome to episode 106 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the uh, Eclair Reigns and Sports Entertainment Motorsports Edition of the GSP. My name is Philip Matthew, and I'm here with my co-host Josh Fine. What's going on, man? Yeah, I'm doing great, Phil. We had a you know really great debut of uh, Formula One racing to start the year. The new Formula One car performed pretty good. There was actually some passing for the lead in the middle of the race, and um, not just a one-lap pass, but they actually had a little bit of a battle with uh, Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc, and then we had some WWE racing later in the day with uh, NASCAR at Atlanta, the Cup Series. Talk about that. Talk about the great IndyCar race that we saw with Joseph Newgarden, last lap pass, turn three and four uh, at Texas Motor Speedway. You know, even though grip strip kind of ruins two wide racing, you know, if you can get it right, uh, if you're brave enough, that Highline Hero pass in turn one and two is really nice. Saw Kyle Kirkwood doing that and everything. You know, we'll, we'll get into it, but uh, really excellent weekend of racing for uh, sure, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And it's what we live for. It's part of the reason why we have this show uh, with all the different things that are going on in motorsports this past weekend and going on this coming weekend. Uh, Josh has already went over. We go over Formula One at Bahrain, NASCAR at Atlanta, IndyCar at Texas. You had the 12 hours of Sebring, Sebring 1,000 kilometer for the WEC, the 12 hours even for IMSA, F2 and F3 at Bahrain. You have Moto2 and, or MotoGP Moto2 in, uh, in Indonesia. We'll do a little uh, preview view of uh, supercars at Simon's Plains or Simmons Plains. Sorry for those who listen that right there um we'll preview the coda triple header for nascar this coming weekend hopefully it isn't a torrential downpour during the cup race because that was a effing um saudi for formula one it'll definitely not be as dramatic as it was last november uh, for many reasons um i don't think they really want that maybe drive to survive does enough. most people who are actually motorsports and one of the crappiest circuits ever made uh probably talk a little football depending on the time because there have been more trades that have taken place here in the last week that are insane um probably get into that Josh will do his sim segment and we'll close the deal. But first of all, uh, Bahrain F1 2022 season begins and Charlie Claire put it on pole for Ferrari, uh, basically confirming the pace that they had during testing and went out there and had a battle with the defending world champion asterisk and the defending world champion insisted on doing his usual move of just driving as hard as he can and basically hoping some will crash into him or trying to crash into somebody but charles leclerc's racecraft superior racecraft um stood out along with the pace advantage that the ferrari had over the red bull and more or less had the race won there was uh the pierre gasly which was the start of something that we didn't know for sure but pierre gasly's um uh, red bull powertrain i guess is what they're calling it uh imploded and the car started melting and he parked in a spot where they had to bring out a full safety car which in turn brought everybody back together there was pit stops and everything but even with that max verstappen could not make anything happen in regards to the win it was going to be charlotte claire basically and then both red bulls basically uh shit the bed uh within the last five laps of the race which allowed ferrari to get a one-two finish um that was and then first win for for ferrari in what is three years they said and then you're talking about 
out, you know, for the Ferrari one, two, I think it was like four years for them. So, I mean, it, it, that's, that's pretty big deal there. We'll get into the results here of the Bahrain uh, Grand Prix uh, 2022 version. Charles Leclerc, the winner, led all but two laps. Those two laps were led by his teammate, Carlos Sainz, who started third, finished second. The Mercedes duo of Lewis Hamilton and George Russell, third and fourth. Kevin Magnussen, fifth for Haas, which is crazy. Valtteri Botas in his debut for Alfa Romeo, finished sixth. Esteban Ocon finished seventh. Yuki Sonoda from 16th, eighth to, to eighth, and the only uh, Honda-powered car that finished. Fernando Alonso, ninth. Joe Guan Yu was the last point score just uh by nine point well yeah so he had Mick Schumacher there uh in the end it was Carlos Sainz or I mean Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz they had uh an advantage most of the day over their Red Bull counterparts and then in the end of course the Red Bulls didn't finish there but I I think the initial part there Josh is Charles Leclerc has proven over time that he has this ability has led races has won a couple times of course in his career but to go out at the start of this season kind of confirm the pace and win his third Grand Prix of his career after a couple of lean seasons where he's finished eighth and seventh in points to now go out and be for the first time in his career lead the world championship pretty big deal and also kind of putting it on the defending world championship team at least for the drivers uh, and making them have to sweat right now to their situation yeah it was a definitely a challenging race for red bull trying to match the pace of ferrari and i think with what we saw on sunday ferrari they definitely backed up their pace their uh their speed that they showed during preseason testing they were always at the top of the board or close to it uh and then they came out here to bahrain uh, charles claire got the pole and they won uh, the race and got a one-two. So that's uh, how it ended up happening. And then early on in the race, around lap 17, we saw Max Verstappen try to go for the lead. He picked up the lead, but then later back uh, on the other part of the lap, the uh, Ferrari was able to take back the lead with Charles Leclerc. Um, excellent racecraft, uh, you know, being able to give up the position and then um, basically cross right over and get it back. And he was able to do that two consecutive laps, basically, uh, or three consecutive laps uh, there. And that was a great sequence of racing, of course. But then, you know, Max Verstappen, you know, kind of used up his car and then he started having issues with power steering. Uh, a couple laps later, and then you know later on, after Pierre Gasly had his issues, started having engine issues, and then after they went green, basically had to drop out of the race uh, due to his engine problems. And then, of course, also happened to his teammate there, uh, Sergio Perez, and uh, really bad start for Red Bull to start the year. But you know that's how this goes sometimes. Uh, it's, this happened to them before, and they're gonna have a challenge now to uh, go out and d- defend their title from last year. But I think uh, Ferrari is a uh, you know winning this race. This is a pretty big statement, you know, of course, backing up what they did in preseason testing. But then also you know go b- going back to last year when um, their battle in the midfield against McLaren, and you know we've been talking about uh, could Ferrari you know challenge uh, Red Bull and Mercedes in the. Uh, team uh, championship points constructor championship um so definitely a good start there for uh, ferrari being able to be right up there uh next to those two teams and starting out ahead of them actually after this race so um there that's a, a good thing um i think you know mercedes they they didn't have the pace i think um there's probably some issues maybe with their power unit being on the pace of ferrari uh, and even red bull 
but uh, they were still able to um, get a good finish and get third and fourth. So they got something out of nothing and they were able to uh, have a better race than uh, maybe what they had anticipated and certainly um, still have uh, more championship points that help them later on if uh, they end up having a, a championship contending year. So for Mercedes, uh, they still have a little bit of work to do, but it's uh, better than what could have happened. And then, you know, I think also for McLaren, um, they were the other preseason team that looked really good. They had a disappointing race, um, both cars finishing out of the points with uh, Ricardo and uh, Lando Norris. So not really a, a great start to the year for uh, McLaren. Uh, didn't have the pace all, all race. Um, and so you have to wonder, uh, going into next race here at Saudi Arabia, um, can they get it back? Can they compete in the top 10 or you know get points at least? Um, you know, be up there in terms of pace. So that's um, something you have to look for. And then I think another team that kind of was showing their abilities in preseason testing, but we thought maybe it was an anomaly was Haas. And they're, you know, they're also with Ferrari with uh, their partnership, with uh, Constructors Partnership, their power unit and everything. And for Haas, that's a big major move for them to be able to finish in fifth place uh, and get in the points with Kevin Magnuson. Um, he backed up what he did during testing and then also um, Mick Schumacher, even though he didn't finish in the points, still a pretty good finish for him, best career finish, finish uh, finishing 12th uh, for the Haas uh, team. So really great improvement. I mean, I guess uh, you can say Nikita Mazepin was uh, definitely a, uh, a weight for that team, definitely a lead weight and was slowing those cars down. And now that they've removed the Russian backing and the Russian driver, now they've gained speed again. So maybe now Haas can actually compete in some of these races. We'll see if they're able to sustain uh, that pace uh, you know, later in the year, uh, or if, you know, maybe this is just a one-time thing, we'll have to see, but, uh, you know, really great racing all around, uh, for formula one, uh, really excited, glad it's back and glad we get to see this new car finally race against, uh, you know, each other during these races. Yeah. There was a lot of thought you went over there, Josh. I mean, the Mercedes piece, I mean, well, I, I, we could go, I'll, I'll snake back to Red Bull situation. Fact of the matter is Ferrari had them more or less this whole weekend. And then Red Bull, you know, the defending champion was screaming on the radio the whole entire race, um, akin to what, how certain his fan base likes to go and talk about how Lewis talks on the radio, but then Verstappen was definitely not, um, working at his best. I would say he wasn't at 100%. He was young at uh, John Piero, uh, uh, Den, whatever the hell is his freaking last name is, GP. They call him uh, the whole entire race. They, I think there was issues with getting switching your tires on. He took too slow of a lap. Then, what is it? They had um, Ted Kravitz basically go and debunk the notion that if he had went faster on his outlaps, it would have mattered. Um, straight race pace and what we saw. Uh, from Leclerc basically speaks to that. Plus the notion that um, I brought this up on the Grid Talk podcast with uh, uh, George and uh, Tom uh, Tom Downey and uh, and, for, and Aaron Harper uh, during the po- the post race recap uh, that you know the the they were holding back during testing and I thought they were sandbagging. I brought it up here that they were sandbagging. What they're sandbagging was is they have issues. They might have issues with this power unit and three of the four cars fell out of the race. They'll say there's a fuel pump issue for two of them, but excuse me, I was having this conversation 
with one of my coworkers. When you're talking about three power unit components, um, what does this do to those components? When you're talking about 23 races, you got Domenicali already out there in the news today or something saying, oh, we want to keep on expanding. I'm like, on what fucking planet are you going to keep on expanding? But that's, that's a whole story for another time. Three power unit components, 23 races, the stupid, the, the, the logistic, I mean, I don't know who the idiot is that made this calendar. The logistics of this calendar make no damn sense for to be the premier form of motorsport. It's pretty god-awful. But if Red Bull's having problems right now and this continues, it's going to be a real issue. Um, the car's good, obviously. Uh, but, you know, they're going to have... And and the notion that they're going to hold an advantage over Mercedes for the entire year is a fallacy because the reality is Mercedes had the better car generally at the start of the season last year. Then in May was the switch for Red Bull. Red Bull took off for months. Mer- Mercedes made adjust changes. I think they did some power unit changes. And in the last six, whatever, basically from the U.S. Grand Prix on, the Mercedes was the better car. Lewis was the better driver. The Brazilian Grand Prix was total proof of that. And he was going to win the champion. So, so the notion is Red Bull may have a better car right now, but with the development cycle that exists, even with those cost caps, and all that they need to watch with this engine power unit situation mercedes cars doesn't doesn't run very well on the bumps so that's going to be interesting when they go to some of these street circuits like saudi or miami or i don't know insert track here coda is going to be a disaster they, they'll suck there unless they get rid of the sporfizing but lewis was nowhere during practice got to fifth george russell struggled in qualifying uh qualified behind valtteri botas kevin magnuson amongst others so people are already going to ride him and i'm like dude it's his first real qualifying session in a mercedes he had one other qualifying session and that was when of course mercedes was in a different advantage more advantageous spot and he should have won that race but his team screwed him over and but the difference is unlike the previous driver in that car who basically usually does his work on saturdays george does his work on sundays moved up and um made the most out of the situation they took the best of the situation in regards to what happened with red bull and uh, were able to finish third and fourth on podium number 183 for mercedes or i mean for lewis hamilton which is insane uh to think about why he's one of the greatest ever and then you have have of course k mags getting that result on sunday i mean it was a huge result i mean for people who hate egghead um the fact that's one of the only positive things that maybe come out of russia in a long long time is the fact that egghead gets fired they used him and his daddy's money to develop this car and now kevin magnuson who two weeks ago didn't have a ride in formula one is driving that car and finishing fifth which is um nice to say the least and um right now uh, josh mentioned with the ferrari um customers are kind of in a good situation with their power unit and their cars seem to be all right too will that last we don't know Haas at times has been at this level uh, years ago it's kind of gone away but mick schumacher is gonna get points eventually um because that car is good enough to get there uh, botas as i mentioned along with his teammate his rookie teammate joe guan Yu, getting points good situation for them uh to start the year and um you know to get double points for for sauber alpha um it's advantageous for them in their battle or amongst where they have been which is with the williams of the world and um i guess uh 
uh, yeah, I mean, it's really Williams and Haas. So, but um, they have, so what, they got nine points. They're only one point behind Haas right now. Alpine got double points. So they got eight points. So right now they're all kind of clustered together. They're ahead of AlphaTauri, uh, the Williams, the McLarens, and of course Red Bulls and the Aston Mars, which were the worst cars, I think, in the whole entire circuit. Uh, but Nico Hulkenberg, who hasn't driven a Formula One car in a couple of years, outqualified his team. I should tell you all you stroll. But uh, the Williams were kind of out to lunch. They didn't have much of anything going. Uh, Albon beat to make it out of Q1, and uh, Lando Norris didn't make it out of Q2, and their cars were just were dog shit. And I'm not sure what's going to happen with McLaren. The talk uh, during, the, during the show, the grid talk, shows like they have a very tight uh, setup window to where the car is really, really good. They could probably put a lap together, but it's not something that's... Like consistent, and that's an issue. Um, trying to get pace out of these new cars. Um, outside of that, I mean, the Williams team's Williams. Uh, I mean, you know, Red Bull situation, they'll be fine over time. Uh, the Mercedes customers, though, having problems is going to be something we have to look at. The drive ability of the cars and how they handle these bumps and handle the aero downforce will be seen racetrack to racetrack. I figure certain tracks will be better than others in regards to the current um, ground effects uh, circumstance but the cars look cool cars are fast looking there's uh it's a positive i think this new uh new uh, regulations uh, for people who hate mercedes they're really happy because mercedes were nowhere in nowheresville for most of the weekend uh, but the difference is they're one of the best teams so they'll figure it out and lewis still got a podium the car that was the third best car on the grid right now and so we will see what happens we're going to preview the saudi grand prix here in a little while but but I mean, the one thing I that kind of was funny about the race, I mean, now they have the new race direction. Before we move on, they have the new race directors and there's like, oh, you know, there's track limits is the white line. Very direct and very straightforward. Put that out there. But in the end, one the, the one thing that kind of bothered me about the race is in the end, they went full Massey, decide to throw that. They had to throw the, the, the full safety car because of Gasly's car relative to being able to get him off the back. Okay, fine. But in most forms of racing, there isn't a wave around unless the car is ahead of the leader. And like, let's say in NASCAR's case, they you're ahead of the leader because the leader's pitted and all these cars decided to stay out. Okay, fine. You're ahead of the leader. We'll wave you around. In Formula One, they just wait to wave everybody ahead of the second place guy, but behind the leader, past the leader to get their lap back. And it takes forever for in Formula One, which I, I don't know how, why. But there to me, if you're there and you've accumulated that space condense the field go and maybe cut the drs thing to like a lap during the once the race starts and make the make the effing guy go and have to pass those cars you know if leclerc earned that gap let him or keep that gap in the end that's that's competitive that's what racing is if we're stopping supposed to be as great as everyone makes them out to be or certain segments of the population make them out to be let him pass all those mfers and go and, and try to beat leclerc he wasn't going to so then instead they just go and make it an arcade bullshit get rid of all those cars 
and put him right on there. In the end, it didn't matter, granted. But to me, I think it's very, it's, it's, it's very artificial. And we're about to get into artificial racing here in a few moments time. But the, the notion of like that wave around rule just bothers me the way they do it. I don't think it's necessary. I don't, and, and it takes too long as well. And I think it, it kind of fits certain other racing series and the way they do things. And I think it's stupid. Um, and back in the day, that wasn't the case in certain series there, Josh. And I don't know what your thoughts on that are before we move on or what any other thoughts you had on the Grand Prix. I know you, know, you said, but I, I, that wave around rule just really bothers me. Um, it also gives me PTSD from freaking Abu Dhabi. It also is probably. Yeah, there's you know definitely a lot of inconsistency uh, with the way that they enforce uh, the, I guess, the procedural rules um, for you know, getting the field back back together. But I think, like, in my experience from iRacing, like, cars that are ahead of the leader on the track, right, you just circle back around and catch back up to the leader or to the pace car. And then if you're a lap behind, obviously, just stay behind the leader. And then once they get reformed up for the restart, you know, either lap cars go to the back or um, in some cases they, you know, line up next to the leader um there and i think yeah with formula one they do a really convoluted way of lining up the cars for you know, whether it's you know, exiting a safety car or virtual safety car just um seems like there's too much uh, that they're you know doing to try to get the field sorted out um and like you said it just it fits the drama aspect and creating drama um unnecessary drama um liberty media kind of in charge of all this you know trying to get the american uh audience involved in everything uh just um just do it the way the way that makes sense i guess it, it don't make it harder than it needs to be um just uh do do the procedures that make sense and then shouldn't have any problems but yeah I, i'm not really happy about that either um just because like it it takes time away from the race um too because like you spend caution laps instead of racing laps um trying to get the field uh sorted out um and then you know on top of that um it feels forced like you said and then it does bring back memories of last year because um they they actually didn't follow protocol last year of course when uh lewis hamilton and max verstappen were fighting for the championship uh in that race and uh the the you know either you know, do it consistency, uh, consistently, um, or, uh, come up with a new way of doing it. So, um, just, uh, a lot of, uh, unnecessary rules, I think procedures, I think, um, that, you know, make it very, 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 uh, WWE, like, like you said, and that of course does lead into our next topic, which is WWE racing in, in, uh, America. Yeah. Where, when you have Marcus Smith going full Vince McMahon and saying we're in the sports entertainment business. And when you consider that, you know, that we're going to talk about the IndyCar race too, and where we get our name from and their sports entertainment involved in what is one of the crappiest racetracks on planet earth. You have a new crappy racetrack in Atlanta Motor Speedway, which they've made into basically a slot car track, um, where you're going to have pack racing the whole entire day. You can't pass anybody. Um, until somebody wrecks or whatever the hell. Uh, you had the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500 at Atlanta Motor Speedway, which saw, um, you know, Pencil Neck Byron go and get his third career win for inbred in the Inbred University car. Uh, gives Hendrick Motorsports a third out of four teams with a victory so far. So they've had a good start to the year for sure. And then uh, William Clyde Elliott II is the defending winner at 
Dakota. So there's a possibility they could all have a victory here shortly. But Byron gets his third win, second on a theoretical super speedway type track. Led over, led over 100 laps, led the most laps. Ross Chastain led 42 laps out of tire failure. This bad year has to show themselves uh, somewhere, and they do it at a brand new racetrack. He had a tire failure while leading, but came back to finish second, continuing his strong start to the 2022 campaign. Kurt Busch finishes third in the uh, in his uh, 2311 Monster Energy Toyota. Daniel Suarez finished fourth, so gives Trackhouse a two top fives cars in the top five Corey lajoy gets his best career finish in the cup series and i think they said something amongst the top three series that's the best finish he's ever had in the top three series so gotta give him credit there clyde in sixth pusher seventh truex eighth logano ninth alex bowman tenth um i mean you look at I'm trying to look at whoever else. Yeah, Elliott led 29 laps. Stenhouse led 22 laps. Oh, Richard. And then Kyle Busch led 21 laps, but he definitely was not happy about having to be there, having to participate in the racing at that racetrack. And he made it known. Uh, Other drivers were similar in their feelings. I mean, in the end, when there was only 25 cars running at the end of this race, the rest of them were in the garage and and they're all, the vast majority of them are all involved in multi-car wrecks i mean gags in wrecked by himself so that's just a waste of matt colleague's money um and i figure that's going to be a trend this year there you got the dylan brothers both went out in the same wreck there uh, just after 100 laps custard you got kyle bush and they were involved separate wreck gumby and Stenhouse were knocked out. Then you have Hamlin and Larson were knocked out. Reddick. Then you have Todd Gillen, and who got DVP'd. And then Cody Ware uh, wrecked by himself there. So, I mean, the, the the race itself was not really that compelling, in my estimation. Um, for the short attention span crowd and LCD people, I think they probably liked it. But if you're talking about actual pure racing, that, that was akin to just driving on, on the freeway and, and following her along and doing whatever it wasn't racing um it's like tony's thing it's like we're he says that it's racing if you want passing you go on the go four, on the freeway the 409 yeah, or whatever it's called nine or whatever the hell 405 or whatever the hell it is and we can go on the interstate we can do passing well i don't think there's passing on the interstate you're just driving when you consider how most people drive anymore you're just driving around aimlessly and you're just waiting and some of them they're so bad they're just waiting to hit something oh well, it's super speedway racing so i guess that's what it is you're just waiting to hit something or destroy equipment which is what super speedway racing has been forever and um for the second time in what four or five weeks that's what they did um i wasn't impressed by it i think it was a waste of time i think the track i mean it is smi so they gotta come through in making gimmicks and making gimmicks that are generally very corny and probably unsafe and so that's what they got uh they narrow the track up so you don't have anywhere to go you're making it so the car are all going at a relatively similar pace so where they're not going to be able to make those those moves you won't be able to get away from anybody it goes with my feelings about super speedway racing forever i don't think it's racing when you're at the mercy of somebody else to have to pass somebody you should be able if you have a fast enough race car to be able to pass somebody if you can't do that you know it's it's just a waste of time and that that was uh four hours or nearly four hours of time that was one of the gr- most worst races I've, I've seen in a long time but hey it probably gets a good rating by on glucks poll or lcd fans liked it but i don't know josh that just was pretty mean 
I mean, I I can see your points, and I I think overall I, I agree with it. But I mean, I guess watching it, in my opinion, because um, we were talking about this offline, of course. And I mean, to me, I, the reason why I said to you on Sunday is like, well, I think you know maybe th- this is palatable. I could live with it. Um, I mean, there were parts where I was watching it and the lines, I guess, that they are running, of course, they're basically running drafting trains. For some reason, it actually reminded me of the pre-restrictor plate era of super speedway racing with Daytona and Talladega, where um, you actually ended up running the high line a lot of times. And then if you wanted to slingshot and pass, you had to dive down to the bottom and then you'd jump back to the top. And that's kind of what I guess like when I turned it on and was watching, um, it seemed like that's what they were doing a lot of times is they, um, the high line ended up being the, the fast line. Uh, and then if you wanted to go uh, try to pass, you had to shoot down to the bottom or form up a line on the bottom to try to pass in the middle of uh, the turns and then jump back to the uh, the high line, you know, coming out of the turn onto the straights. But yeah, I think overall it's just um, really a, you know, convoluted way of, or not convoluted, that's the wrong word, more of a, a contrived way of doing things. Um, it's uh, the, the way it's being done now, they're, you know, basically restrictor plate racing this, uh, this racetrack. Um, yeah, there were 46 lead changes, which um, is actually a record, not only for Atlanta, but that's actually the most lead changes uh, to occur on a non-super speedway race uh, since 2000. Uh, the 2000 UAW 500 at, at uh, not Atlanta, but at Charlotte had like 45 lead changes. Uh, but they were actually, you know, it was, um, you actually pass and it wasn't not like this, you know, it was, um, you actually had to drive and everything, which to be fair, I think this race, um, there was a little bit of handling involved in this race. Um, but it was, uh, definitely a interesting way of doing it, I guess, or non-interesting way, whatever you want to put it. Um, uh, just, um, I think it was mostly handling because you had to lift out of the gas to keep out, uh, you know, away from running into somebody. And that of course changes the handling dynamics when you get out of the gas and, you know, have weight shifts and everything in, um, in the car. Whereas, you know, back in 2000 running at Charlotte, the car was bumpy and everything. And, uh, the car really, uh, moved around the racetrack and everything. And you had to find a line to try and pass. And this, you know, is more of momentum racing where you certainly had to back up to another car to generate another run and then get around him. Um, so that, you know, there's a, a lot different dynamic and, and everything. And, you know, we've seen races at Atlanta in the past, you know, go back to 2011 with Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson, uh, their battle where they're really, uh, you know, struggling to drive the car around the corner and everything. And, uh, they, you know, had a great battle for the lead, the, the, the last laps and, and, uh, in that race, that was a pretty exciting race. Go back to 2000, 2001, you know, Dale Earnhardt over, uh, Bobby Labonte, uh, you know, Kevin Harvick over Jeff Gordon, um, even 2004, uh, I think, you know, they had a great race there towards the end where there's a, yeah, Carl Edwards there won that race, I believe, but, um, no, no, he didn't win that race. Uh, his first race was Atlanta 2005, which I was another good finish, but, um, I think what I'm thinking of is there's, there's a clip on YouTube where about like six laps to go, uh, Atlanta in 2004, this is the race after the Hendrick Motorsports plane crash. Jimmy Johnson won, but they, they had like a, a three wide battle, um, for like second. And I think two lap car, two lap cars were involved in it. And they basically like, I think the whole lap, they went like, they were like three wide against each other. And, you know, this is back when, you know, they were definitely running close to, um, you know, 850 horsepower, 
um, getting closer to 900. You know, they had the short spoilers. Uh, the car uh, suspension actually could move around. Um, so you know, they actually had ground clearance on those cars, and that was really impressive. But you know, this overall, um, you're just running in a drafting train, um, trying to figure out when to make the move uh, uh, to win. And you know, when you you know when you rely on that, you know, it takes a lot of like the driving instincts away of when to find or you know when to uh, take a, a good line to try to get around a guy um, and everything. And I mean, there is some skill to this, but certainly not the level of skill that uh, we would expect uh, from Atlanta or really uh, any other racetrack. So, um, you know, I think I agree with a, a lot of the drivers uh, that said, oh, well, let's just leave it to this. Uh, let's not expand this idea of turning more mile and a half tracks into basically restrictor play tracks. Let's just leave it to Atlanta. Uh, you know, Ross Chastain said that. Uh, Kurt Busch, I think he was saying that. And then he was also advocating to go back to the other package that they were using at Las Vegas and Fontana. Um, so I, th I think, you know, that's a reasonable take uh, there to, you know, go back to the other package and see how it races on the, you know, the mile and a half uh, repaved track. So, um, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, feelings about it, you know, I think with this race, but you know, ultimately I think um, overall for me, just a, a lot of mixed feelings, like, you know, some good, but then also, you know, a lot of bad as well. And kind of shows you the, I guess the duality of, things with uh this type of racing uh and you know ultimately the direction that it could take the sport in and i and i'm uh, i fear considering what some tracks that might be getting taken off the schedule and some of the tracks that may be added what are we trying to do here uh in regards to racing i think the racing overall this season has been pretty good with this new car and when it hasn't had to be contrived They've had some good runs, good finishes. And, um, I do agree with what Kurt Busch said in regards to running the whatever the six fifty or whatever the hell um, seven ten package or whatever fucking horsepower it is uh, that they run at the uh, at most of these tracks with the four inch spoiler. I think that would have been a better um, a representation of the racetrack and a possibility that they could have gotten more than just having a pack race going. You could have possibly gotten the wall working too, which was interesting how people, anyone who tried to get up and up on that at high line right against the wall, they'd wipe out. Um, that might've been a case, been able to be brought in uh, with the other package versus what they had this weekend but i guess if you're a fan of william byron you're i mean i i'm sure if you're a fan of track house racing you like it or Corey LaJoy for all seven of his fans and and i mean if you're a fan of will byron i mean i mean you like looking at burnt toast um the 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 that's it i mean literally i mean his only redeeming quality is the fact that he bangs his lady sister other than that i don't really know i mean william byron there's nothing there he can drive i racing no offense to you josh i know you do but like yeah he started out his career on a computer yeah. like rick allen used to say yeah and and i mean i mean he's a dork and that's great um and he has the personality of this percussion gun uh, that I'm using right now because I got tightness in my, like my neck. So like this this thing, I'm holding it up and you'll see it on the YouTube on our Grip Strip Podcast YouTube channel for this episode. This has more of a personality than William Byron. But then he drives for Hendrick Motorsports. So Jeff Gordon, you know, I mean, Jeff Gordon is, is that. So it's like, okay, you know, but whatever, fuck it. Who cares? He ain't going to do anything in the playoffs. So let him have his win. Uh, it's early in the season anyways. The notion of possibly having 16 different winners kind of still exists uh, because none of the Gibbs guys have won yet. 
You have Clyde hasn't won yet. Harvick, amongst others. You got, uh, you know, there there's some wild card people. I mean, of course, Chastain, the way he's been running. The um, Tyler Reddicks of the world. Those are two cars that I think are going to be up there, along with the possibility of Suarez getting his first win. Should piss off a lot of maggot morons. Let's go, Brandon but um along with the notion of Bubba almost winning that race and then getting sent up in the fence the fact of the matter is he could have won that race and that would have been hilarious too I was rooting for that um uh, but the fact of the matter is uh there are a lot of options here to win but we'll see what happens uh the uh Xfinity series was um I mean we talked about that yeah we talked about the product the bad year tire failures of course I mean it's bad year what do you expect you you have testing you got all this testing and you still can't make a tire that can last it you gotta love it and we talked about yeah chastain track house it's a big deal i mean i think uh before we move next any my ball like it's a big deal for that organization for um for uh, justin marks for armando aka pitbull mr worldwide mr e05 dale gaiocho um going and uh, making this team and then now they have a two-car team they have the whole ganassi shop and all and ross chastain looks like he's been shot out of a canyon i mean it's just he's at a different level here he looks like he's driving a nice motorsports truck with freaking phil gould crew chiefing it the way he looks the this year but i think it maybe is the potential finally being realized for ross chastain in his case and then with daniel suarez the guy won an xfinity title gibbs had him for years Tony signed him, I guess, minus the fact that he's he's with a PK uh, daughter. Um, I, the the amigos have a lot to root for there. I mean, that team is, I guess, proof positive of what this new car really is brought to the table. I think colleagues another one that's kind of benefited from this new car. You look at the RCR group in general; they look very good because of this car i mean Stuart haas is a is a great example too eric almirola's final year he started out well the briscoe goes and gets his first win harvick looks like he's you know he's not the same kevin harvick as we had a couple of years ago but he seems to be back on track there are other teams that haven't really been there for a while that are up there spire motorsports which is absolute god awful they got a top five finish on a on a track that's not daytona or Talladega. you know uh, that i mean that's the the other than Haley's win, a couple of, that's the thing. You know, it was at Daytona, it was rain short. Well, that's the best finish they've ever had, really. Uh, it, I think the new car is helping. And I think the new car will get a good test about this new car and what it'll race like and what it'll be about. You're a Coda uh, this coming weekend because this car has GT3 Trans Am TA2 GT3 characteristics. This thing might be really, really cool on a road course, especially a road course that is definitely not a stock car um, pipe road course. It's more an open wheel road course. Uh, uh, here at Circuit of the Americas um, this coming weekend. Xfinity Series saw Keebler Gibbs get another win, uh, you know, utilizes or takes advantage of um, uh, Ryan Sieg. There's there's irony in that. Um, and using up Ryan Sieg to go get that win. He only led one lap the entire day, so that's convenient. Uh, there was, uh, three drivers, AJ Allmendinger led 41 laps, Gagson led 38 laps, Trevor Bain led 38 laps, uh, Allmendinger won one stage and Josh Berry led the other, but got taken out in an accident, um, in regards to the finishing order. Austin Hill was up there for a while and lost out on one of the restarts. The, uh, the results of the Nally cars, 250, Gibbs, Hill, Allmendinger, Herbst, Castle, the top five, Mason, Massey. 
Kelsey, Brandon Jones, Kyle Weatherman, Sheldon Creed, who pissed off a lot of people on Saturday, and then Sieg was your top 10. Just outside the top 10 were J.J. Ailey, Ryan Vargas, and Dale or Jeffrey Earnhardt, amongst others. Uh, I mean, uh, seeing Mason Massey, Kyle Weatherman for DGM Racing, dual top 10 finish there, best finishes for both of them in their career. Uh, but Keebler Gibbs, I mean, he is, he was theoretically, he was a pseudo favorite. I mean, outside of, I guess, uh, some of these veteran types that were in their junior motorsports and the like, I think everybody really thought that Gibbs was the guy, or a lot of people did. I mean, I picked Josh Berry, but then that's my own fandom and bias. And then kind of like Sheldon Reed, if he could have figured it out. Well, Gibbs has the cars, Gibbs has the support, Gibbs has grandpa that he already knows he's going to be driving the 19 car next year in cups. So it's like, well, I'm free rolling. So I get to go and run over whoever I want to run over and do whatever I can. And I know I got a guaranteed ride because my grandfather is Joe Gibbs. And um, I mean, to be fair about the kid, he, he is a douche. He drives like a douche. He's four foot tall. But I mean, he has shown talent. I mean, it's not that he isn't talented. He's a douche. That's the thing. And that seems to be a characteristic of this new generation, I think. Um, a lot of them are just really, really douchey and they don't know how to help themselves and they don't try to. They, they just kind of, they either own it or they just do it because it's like, well, it's a take it or leave it proposition. So Gibbs won that deal, but there were other cars I think he could have possibly gotten the job done given if circumstances with their way there, Josh. Yeah, I mean, what I'm going to say about both these races, the Xfinity and Truck, I mean, I think they're both the same type of racing. Uh, I And same in Cup, they're all the same, really. Uh, there wasn't, people thought there might be a difference between uh, the Cup race and the Xfinity, um, but I think they're both really the same. Um, and we're all just pack racing throughout. Um, maybe there's a difference in how the car drove, but it didn't, there was no real visual difference uh, when they raced on the racetrack. Um, so it was uh, not really compelling to, to watch. I mean, I actually did not even watch Xfinity uh, be honest with you, I um, saw just the ending of it, and you know, it tells you all you need to know uh, with all the crashing that happened, and then you know, the last lap pass, um, and Ty Gibbs drives away uh, from the field, and the rest of the field is side by side behind him, and he takes the win. So you know, that that's how you play the game here at this uh, this racetrack. If you can get ahead, if you find a way ahead, coming to the last lap, you take it, and then hope that everybody else behind you is side by side because that's that's your best friend right there uh, to be able to to get away from uh, the field and try to win. And you know, going back to you know what you were talking about in Cup, uh, Bubba Wallace. I mean, had to take the opportunity to win uh, in that race. And, uh, I guess maybe he thought he could wait until the last lap. And I think overall with, uh, this package at this racetrack, you know, you can't really wait to the last lap. Uh, and that's really the same deal in, you know, in a uh, cup at Daytona or, you know, really at, at Daytona in general and Talladega. But I think in, in this track, uh, in particular, since it's a lot shorter, um, you know, has as much distance to work with, you definitely have to start setting up your move before the last lap so that you're either, you know, in front of the leader coming to the white or um, you're at least side by side with him. Um, and that's, you know, how both of these uh, races played out in uh, Xfinity and in truck. Um, you know, both of them had either a last lap pass or coming to the last lap pass. Uh, so that's, that's what you got to do to be able to make the move uh, to win. 
but you know Ty Gibbs uh, made the move at the right time and only needed to lead the lap that they pay you the most money for, which is the last lap. Uh, so he was able to go out and win, and now he's secured a uh, spot in the, the playoffs for the chase and Xfinity, and that's how it rolls uh, for uh, the rest of the year. And then he can basically just free roll the rest of the year, which um, might be bad for everybody else because we've seen how he raced last year uh, and how many races he was able to win um, just being a part-time driver. So now he's a full-time driver. He's got a lot more to work with um, now that he's gotten his playoff uh, securing win out of the way. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, Austin Hill had a chance to win, uh, but you know, didn't didn't come out with it. But um, we'll see. You know, the rest of the year, what he's able to do. Um, feel like he's been pretty solid so far in the twenty one. But you know, definitely this is a, a chance for him to win, and uh, didn't come out on the other side. So um, unfortunately, uh, they'll have to go out and try to you know win other races uh, down the line. And then uh, AJ Allmendinger definitely uh, he was a. a contender in this race having led the most laps but you know failed to secure the win as well so um we talked about him his season so far this year um has been sort of lacking in results and i think this is probably one you have to look look back on and and feel like you know this could have been one uh that he could have won so uh considering the results he's had so far this year so we'll see how it goes uh the rest of the year but you know overall um you know it was just the the same racing that uh we saw at Uncup took place in Xfinity and in trucks. Yeah, and Ty Gibbs, uh, that was his second win of the year, actually. So, I mean, uh, he was already locked in. Now he's just getting more bonus points. He won Vegas as well. Um, but whatever, sixth win of his career. It's going to be pretty much what this is going to look like. One consistent thread is going to be the 54 car. It's victory lane immediately. It was Kyle Busch for years, and now it's going to be Ty Gibbs. Uh, as Josh mentioned, the truck race was similar. Uh, difference was, it, I mean, it was a Toyota. It was Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek helped Corey Heim uh, pass uh, teammate Chandler Smith to uh, give Corey Heim his first career win in the truck series. Toyotas took the top four spots and five of the top six there with Corey Heim, Ben Rhodes, defending series champion second, Ty Majeski in third, Chandler Smith fourth, Zane Smith starting his, uh, continuing his good start to the year minus, of course, a DQ there in a second race. In fifth, Friesen sixth, Priest seventh, Tanner Gray eighth. Um, so the guest front row, DGR trucks finished fifth, seventh, and eighth kraus ninth self tenth so that was the top 10 in trucks of course um friesen led the most laps one one stage the um other stage winner was john hunter and human check but he got into problems and manipulated the finish i mean i guess uh, outside of the stupid wave around rule having trucks that are up there that are a lap down at like 10 to go you can't there has to be a, some sort of edict put down where it's like you're not supposed to be able to manipulate race i mean i guess in this case like you've been saying josh and what we've seen with this drafting it was by design uh, to have him up there um, and in turn he screws chandler smith out of another victory which would have given him more bonus points and taken him farther away from john hunter Nemechek, who's had a nightmare start to the year in the truck series but he'll be able to try to make it right this weekend on a road course if that's possible for him and i'm trying to see who else hey anything else really freezing the most laps Chandler Smith and Corey Heim led uh, whatever. Or Zane, Chandler Smith led the third most laps. Corey Heim the second most. Then you have Grain and Finger led double digit laps, and Hunt John Hunter uh, led double digit laps. Uh, we'll go to the 
Indy cars at Texas Motor Speedway, which was a great race, uh, saw uh, attempts to make things happen on the outside line, but obviously the outside line was way too sketchy, especially in the grip strip. And that left a lot of teams scratching their heads and a lot of drivers and a lot of uh, wrecked race cars, which is part and parcel what you'd figure would come from Texas Motor Speedway um, after after all that was uh, going on, trying to get the track prepped and they really couldn't prep it the way they needed to or they just didn't try because. Of course, it's Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, the results of the uh, Expel 375 at Texas Motor Speedway Sunday afternoon. The uh, Joseph Newgarden won by 66, 66 thousandths of a second. Last lap passes, Josh mentioned during the beginning of the show, get Joseph Newgarden a win there. Um, he's now up to fourth in points after two races. Marcus Erickson finished third. Will Power gives the Penske cars three out of the top four. Scott Dixon fifth. A certain seven-time NASCAR champion, Jim Johnson, getting his best career finish in IndyCar with a sixth. Alex Pillow seven, so three uh, Ganassi cars, or four Ganassi cars in the top seven. So Ganassi and Penske, wouldn't you know? Um, dominating the top seven. Pagino, best of the rest. Root Beer float head. Uh, had uh, was there visiting friends and family and was going to hang out, but instead got called in by Green Rehaul and the uh, high V people to drive the 45 after Jack Harvey had an accident in uh, practice and couldn't race. And Renus VK finished 10th. David Malukas, last car on the lead lap in 11th. I mean, uh, you talk about, you talked about Kyle Kirkwood. He was up there, but in the end ended up in the wall. Devlin D. Francesco got the butt buddy uh, driver of the day uh, by diving low into a three wide uh, situation that ended up with uh, his 29 car hitting the apron and going back up into Elio Castro Dash Neves and Graham Rahal destroying all of their days and it was definitely not um, ideal but you know that's Devlin D. Francesco it's part of what happens when you bring cash to the to the party but no talent um, looking at some of the other people I mean Colton Hurdle was lapped down uh, Pato Award was lapped down he's won at Texas last year trying to look at great was a Felix Rosenquist Started on pole, but had a mechanical issue. So and it was an interesting day. Sato wrecked. Uh, he started up at top five. Those are so many people that stood out there. I mean, Alexander Rossi fell out of the race 11 laps in with a mechanical problem. It was really, really bad. You got to wonder what his viability is at Andretti Autosport going into 2023 and beyond. But um, with that, yeah. I mean, Joseph Newgarden has proven over time he's adept at all different forms of racing on ovals. He had a crash there a couple of years ago and had to wear wrist uh, support and went out and dominated Iowa Speedway. Uh, he's a tough guy, and but he's also a really, really good driver. And I think uh, this is a statement not only towards Scott McLaughlin, but I think towards the rest of the field in the IndyCar series that Joseph Newgarden's ready to go in 2022, Josh. I mean, this was a really exciting race in my my opinion with the way you know i mean even with the grip strip like i said being a show um and now we we've seen it at texas and you know, i think um joseph newgarden he, you know he stalked uh he, he stalked uh scott mclaughlin all the way to the end and passed him uh, at the right time and it's really a matter of time i feel like you know and and i think for mclaughlin it's kind of a, a lack of experience leading on ovals 
especially towards the end, uh, you know, with um, getting in the way of lap traffic or having lap traffic in the way, uh, wasn't able to get around lap traffic uh, soon enough. And that allowed uh, Joseph Newgarden to close back in. And then, of course, uh, he uh, didn't have an, you know, enough room in turn three and four. And then uh, wasn't able to have the pace. And Newgarden was able to take the high line, even though there's not a lot of grip there. But that was the only way uh, that he could pass. And certainly he was able to uh, hold it there long enough uh, to make it work. And he was able to uh, pass him for the win there. Um, so lack of experience, I think. Uh, for McLaughlin, and then I think on the other end uh, shows the experience that Newgarden has now uh, in these race cars, uh, uh, driving ovals. It shows his uh, you know veteran prowess, and uh, definitely uh, for him is a uh, you know a veteran move uh, for sure. Um, you know, it shows that Newgarden you know probably is going to be leading the way for Penske very soon. You know, once um, uh, Will Power uh, finds his way out of Penske. Uh, eventually, I mean, he's getting up in age, so you know, I figure eventually he'll be out. But um, that's definitely uh, a move that you know the lead of the team would do. So uh, you know, credit to Newgarden for doing that. Um, you know, overall, um, you know, you talked about Jimmy Johnson in in this race. Um, we talked about it leading into the show. Yeah, what would that young Jim Johnson guy do? And he ended up uh, with this finish, and you know, almost came out with a top five. Scott Dixon passed him there at the end, but uh, as a Really uh, exciting, uh, you know, oval debut for Johnson. Uh, think he got help from a lot of the wrecks, um, but you know that's the way it goes sometimes in IndyCar racing. And he was able to take advantage of that and still uh, get a, a top ten finish out of it. So great oval debut for uh, Jimmy Johnson. Um, and you know, I was excited a few times when he was able to use the high line to try to pass. And I was like, you know, let's go, Jimmy Johnson. You know, I was really rooting for him. Which uh, you know, ten years ago was rooting against him. Now I'm rooting for him. Uh, which yeah, I really like. Um, I guess you know, once you retire from the 48 car, you know, start to get a lot of respect for him uh, driving the 48 Indy car. Um, so uh, we'll see. We'll see how he does at Indy, and you know, hopefully he uh, puts on a good show at Indy for us. Uh, really excited to uh, to be able to watch that. And um, you know, I think there were some other guys that you know they played the Highline Hero game very well. You know, I was talking on Twitter, Renis VK. You know. Um, there was a restart where he was hooked up and uh, he was able to go out and pass, uh, you know, multiple cars uh, on the, you know, on the same lap. And I think there was, yeah, one sequence where he, he did the two for one special and passed, uh, you know, to get, get up to the lead. And no, actually he, he got passed. He got passed. Sorry. He, uh, he got passed by Will Power uh, and Will Power took uh, two cars and passed both of them in turn one and two uh, on the high line. So another high line hero there. Uh, add that to the list, but I was really impressed with. Uh, there was a sequence there where Renis VK was on the on the high line passing cars, and um, you know it was uh, really impressive what he was able to do. And his car was definitely hooked up there for that sequence of laps. And the reason why I keep saying that high line hero, I mean, I that's that's the way like to me that's exciting to watch in Indy car racing on you know oval tracks. We see it at Indy when you can pass on the outside. Uh, we've seen it at Gateway last year when you pass on the outside, and it's really impressive uh, to do, and especially here uh, at Texas. The low groove is very narrow, and there's not really a middle groove. Then the high groove is, you know, the grip strip, which, you know, is non-existent for these indie cars, uh, ironically. So when, when you're able to pass on the high side like that uh, at this racetrack, to me, it's really impressive. And in iRacing, you know, we'll talk about it later, but for me in iRacing, that's how I make a lot of my passes is using the high line. Um, cause that's where all the momentum is. And, you know, if you can get it right, you know, you 
pull up behind a car in the draft on the straight, and then uh, instead of getting arrow wash, you know, you keep keep going uh, through the corner. And even though it's the long way around, you keep the momentum, and you can stay either close up behind him, or if you have a, a lot of a lot of speed, you know, you can um, and you're in traffic, you can use uh, the high line to your advantage. So that's you know why I find it exciting to watch, and why you know every time I see it, uh, get it fires me up watching uh, watching these cars pass on the high line and. It gives me a lot of respect for the drivers that are able to pull it off and do it successfully. Um, so that that's my, I guess, passion. I guess when you, you see IndyCar racing, that's that's the you know part that I guess evokes the most passion out of me uh, in there. But you know that's that's the excitement of oval track racing in uh, IndyCar racing. Um, but for the, this race itself, you know, going back to Scott McLaughlin, I mean, led a ton of laps and. And um, it's not really surprising because, I mean, I, I called it, I think, beforehand going into this race, you know, based on testing, you know, they were pretty fast during midweek testing and leading up to this race. Um, but, you know, the lack of experience, uh, losing your first oval win like that's got to be heartbreaking. But at least if you're going to lose it like that, lose it to a teammate so it stays in-house. And they picked up their 600th career win or team win for Penske. So um, not a bad deal there, uh, of course. And then, uh, you know, I think uh, another another point to talk about, you, you mentioned um, Devlin DeFrancesco's crash there. I mean, that's a stupid move um, to, to make. You know, you don't go – it's one thing to go three wide, but then on the other hand, you can't go, go onto the apron to do three wide. I mean, it almost, you know, kind of felt like Tony Kanaan, remember 2017, before they messed up the track you know, and all that. Remember, um, that's adorable, James Hinchcliffe. Um, kind of reminded me of that crash a little bit, the way that that played out, because I felt like that was a very similar move uh, being made there, going onto the the apron to try to pass uh, three wide, and ob- obviously not working. Um, yeah, I think the apron, obviously, you can only avoid accidents. You know, we saw uh, Alexander Rossi avoid a crash a few years ago, back in 2019, using the apron, and that does take skill, but you know can't pass uh, while you're racing onto the apron. So big rookie mistake there for Dave Francesco and definitely learned, he definitely learned in a, in a heartbeat there. So, you know, overall, I mean, for me, um, you know, even though we've kind of expect Texas to be kind of a bore fest, I mean, for me personally, I felt like this race uh, alone was uh, pretty exciting to watch. And it's part of the reason why uh, IndyCar and Penske want to stay there. Uh, they seem to have a willing customer there at Texas Motor Speedway, even with the new management, minus the fact that the track is now not suitable for running two grooves without, you know, kind of praying for dear life or having a certain level of talent that few of us will ever have um, to make that line work. You could also add the two different corners. And just, I don't know why they decided to do that. That's that was stupid, but amongst other things. But the race itself was quite intriguing. McLaughlin continues to do what he did at St petersburg um just that i mean as josh said the experience factor with new garden played a part in why he advanced. and i think that's a good lesson for mclaughlin if he's in a similar spot during the indianapolis 500 uh trying to go and win that race um you know that that will be the experience he uses to not be in that same spot come the end of may to possibly go and get that w there but for penske they're two for two so far this season uh penske and ganassi had a great run there on um, sunday afternoon and the next race is uh long beach so in a few weeks time so it'll be interesting to see 
how that all uh, works out at uh, Long Beach for the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. First, uh, or first, first, uh, second street course of the season. Um, then, then they'll go to Baba to, for the first permanent road course of the year. We'll get into the 12 hours of Sebring, um, WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, uh, going and winning the, uh, or going for the 12 hours of Sebring there, which saw Earl Bamba go and win the uh, 12 hours Sebring spun out had issues and traffic uh, but Earl Earl URL Earl Bamba um, Neil Yanni Alex Lynn so Alex Lynn and Bamber are teammates for the full season Yanni of course is running the, the uh, what should we call the endurance races um, going to go through the results here briefly um, Earl Bamber Alex Lynn Neil Yanni were the winners by 6.47 one seconds over Tristan Vaught Richard Westbrook and Blake Duvall in the um, in the number five Mustang sampling Cadillac. There were five of the seven cars were on the lead lap. Durrani, Nunez, and Conway in the wheel and engineering Cadillac finished third. Uh, Ricky Taylor, Fleet, Albuquerque, Will Steven fourth. Oliver Jarvis, Tom Bloomquist, and Bothell Dan fifth. In LMP2, Ben Keating, Mickel Jensen, Scott Huffaker, and a Pier 1 Matheson. Wins car won over the Team Netherlands, Von Erd, Guido Vandergaard, Dylan Murray by a lap. And then Dwight Merriman, Kyle Tilly, Ryan DL finished third for the ERA Motorsport. Hendrick Hedman, Juan Pablo Montoya, and Sebastian Montoya were in the race in the number 81 Dragon Speed car, but uh, Juan Pablo Montoya got taken off track and destroyed the race car um, after Sebastian had had his moments, but was back in the garage waiting for his dad and said his dad was coming back um, in an ambulance because his car was right. Thankfully, he was all right and didn't hear anything crazy uh, issues there. Jao Barbosa, uh, part of the winning LMP3 team by 48 and a half seconds over Baloo, Grist, and Dickerson, JR3 Motorsports in LMP3, and then third place, Goldberg, Rasmus, Linden, Shields in the Performance Tech 38, but they were eight laps down. And GTD Pro, that was the Corvette racing team, Antonio Garcia, Jordan Taylor, Nikki Casper, over to TR3, Lamborghini, and Mapelli, Calderelli, and Bertolotti, and then the WeatherTech Mercedes of Cooper McNeil, John Arcunan, and Mauro Ingle. BMW finished fourth. The um, FAF Plaid car finished fifth. Matt Campbell, Matthew Jaminet, and Felipe Nett. And then in GTD itself, uh, Fuco, Lacorti, and Serna Giotto in the Sentinel-R racing Ferrari uh, wins over Michael Skeen, Steve McAleer, and Daniel Yunkinella in the number 32 Mercedes. And then Man, Perez, Kompanik, and Villander and AF Horse Ferrari round out the podium. But uh, the 21 and then the 96 from Turner Motorsport was basically, yeah, in an hour behind. So they were basically in another time zone there in the Rolex 24 go and get into the WC thousand kilometer um, right miles of Sebring saw the hypercar number 36 Nicola Lapierre Vaxvier and Negaru and the Alpine with the Gibson power plant and uh, they won by 37.4 seconds over the Toyota and Gazoo number 8 which had Buemi Hartley and Hirakawa the uh, other what is it yeah as those are the only two that really stood out. Paul DeRest, Oliver Jarvis, Pearson, Josh Pearson became the youngest winner 
in um, 12 hours of Sebring or, or in Sebring history, a thousand kilometer history, whatever, being uh, 15, 16 years old, that must be nice. Uh, Galeo Fryens Rast in the 31 WRT, another WRT with Habsburg Nato finished third. And uh, as I mentioned in, yeah, so that was in, then GTE Pro, the Porsche number 92 of Christensen and Estra finished uh, 9.3 seconds ahead of the Corvettes of Miller and Tandy. Uh, then the Porsche 91 of Bruni and Leitz trying to go in through those. And then you have the GTM, uh, which saw Paul Dallana, Pitter, and team in the Aston Martin. Then the TF Sport, uh, Aston Martin of Keating, the Tour and Sorensen. And then the Project One. Uh, ball or, or thing of Uribe, Milroy, Barnacote, and GTM uh, finish out that. And, uh, but Alpine winning, beating Toyota is a big deal uh, for them and for you know this, the series for sure. Uh, F2 and F3 at Bahrain uh, coming up or this past weekend uh, saw different uh, situations during the race weekend to try to go and run again that um it's out of your yeah that's photos of the kawasaki there came out today um i mean what is it uh, 16 oh i'm trying to see right here give me a second here i'm gonna bring up the f2 results f3 results okay there you go f2 so in race one or the in race one the winner of Formula Two is Richard V Shore over Jan Deruvla and Liam Lawson, Boshong Durogovic, Logan Sargent, Yuri Vips, uh, Iwasa Hauger, your top ten. Best American he has Sargent there in six. I'm looking for other Americans. Then in race two, Teo Pocher won by lessons I know William Lawson, Gary Vips, Ralph Boshong, Marcus Armstrong, Felipe Drogovic, Logan Sargent, Roy Nassani, Jake Hughes, Jack Doon are the top ten. Deruvala slipped back to fourteenth. Fortunate lost a point there. Hauger didn't even was finished four laps down in nineteen. Well, their next race, of course, will be at Jeddah, and then they'll take a month's month off for Imola coming up there. In Formula 3, the first race saw Isaac Hadjar beat Oliver Bierman, Bierman Alexander Smollier, Zane Maloney, Arthur Leclerc, Zach O'Sullivan, Kyle Collette, Kalen Frederick for high-tech, high Juan Manuel Correa, and David Vidalis. Push Miney, who got relegated to the back, uh, finished uh, 15th, and then... Yeah, that's that's about it. I mean, Jack Crawford struggled mightily last weekend. Hunter Yaney also struggled pretty mightily. We'll see what happens in race two, which saw Victor Martins beat Arthur Leclerc, Gregoire Saucy, Juan Manuel Correa finished fourth. Kalen Frederick finished 10th, so he got more points. So that's good for him. Jack Crawford finished seventh. So, yeah, so that's where it is in Formula 2 and Formula 3 going into their next race uh, for Formula 3. Their next race will be at Imola. Uh, Formula 2 will be racing at Saudi um, this coming weekend. Uh, going into the MotoGP and Moto2, there's treacherous conditions in Indonesia and trying to go and keep the bike on track and uh, was as much of a battle as anything. Trying to see where uh, all those people are. 
all that. Miguel Oliveira gets a win for KTM over Fabio Quattararo. Johan Zarco, so three manufacturers in the top three. Jack Miller, fourth. Alex Rins joined me the Mercedes duo. I mean, Mercedes Suzuki duo finished fifth and sixth. Franco Morbidelli, seventh. Brad Binder, eighth. Alicia Spargo, ninth. And Darren Binder finished tenth. Enea Bastaini, after winning the first race of the year, uh, finishes 11th. So that wasn't compelling at all. Uh, so what were your, th- um, I mean, that's yeah, Moto GP Moto 2. They're trying to go and get into that. The supercars were at Simmons Plains this coming weekend. Before I get too uh, busy for that, just want to go and look at that. Simmons Plains Raceway, Motor of Tasmania, since the closure of the plane. Yeah, so Simmons Plains, is, I forget what they used to call the track. Uh, it was Oren Park or not. But um, Simmons Lane's redirects here since trying to get into who's going to do what this coming weekend. Supercars, supercars. Oh, yeah, as it stands, yeah, race one, race one uh, from last race was Ch- Shane Van Gisbergen, and then race two was Chaz Moster. So we will see how the two Holden drivers are able to hold up. Um, buyer minus all the other stuff that's going on around him. So we'll see what if the Ford can respond with their Mustang, or if there's something has to be done to make it a little more competitive, a little less top heavy in regards to the Holden bunch. Um, gonna switch over to the uh, NASCAR at Coda. Josh, I'm gonna let you have the floor for a little bit here in regards to what uh, you're looking to see here. Now they've had a year. Of course, there was no qualifying. They're qualifying this there's going to be some other adjustments that they have to make here um, this race compared to what they had last year um we'll have a lot less practice on that so we'll see how that all works out and maybe you can give some predictions for the win or maybe a wild card and then some of the other yeah for sure you know i think um for me uh this is the the first race or road course race for the um for the gen next gen car uh you know i think um this is going to be an interesting deal here, you know, especially the brand new car going through the race uh, track that it was basically designed uh, to to work on. Um, so it's going to be interesting with Coda uh, because this is a, a heavy race car uh, by you know by default, uh, but it does you know turn pretty well. It's you know designed. It has a, a IMSA you know background in terms of uh, actual you know suspension. Uh, geometry and design but yeah i think um we may be in for a a pretty interesting race here um would have to probably look at uh for insight on how this car would race yeah like i i think you'd have to look at imsa you know type racing here um you know in the gt classes or a trans am uh type deal of how uh, the race is uh, played out in those tracks uh, or this track for uh, road courses and ju- just at any road course in, in general with uh, those series. Um, but it's going to be pretty interesting to see uh, how they how this car handles on a fairly technical track. Uh, I, I think um, you know the racetrack at, at some points. You know you're going to have a, a couple of long straights, like you're going to have the uh, the front straight, which is pretty long. Um, and it's it's a you know fairly long uh, length there. I'm going to pull up the page on Wikipedia so I can see uh, the full layout. But uh, the NASCAR 
uh, layout here. Basically, that is the whole track. Um, and, you know, I think uh, you're, you're going to have some really interesting racing, you know, on the front stretch from turn 20 to turn 1. And then, you know, you have the set of S's from turn 2 all the way to uh, turn 10. And then the hairpin at 11 and then the long straight to 12. And then a couple couple more turns at, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16. And then kind of the bend around uh, 16, 17, 18, and 19. And then back to turn 20 uh, for the, uh, the end. But... It's going to be a pretty pretty interesting race. I feel like, um, especially uh, if weather comes into play, which I don't think is going to be an issue here. But if it does, I mean, we're gonna uh, hopefully we don't see a similar race last year. Maybe they actually will run better in the rain uh, for a road course car if it if it does happen. But you know, it's going to be a um, you know interesting if that does happen. I guess, um, and that would be another element. I guess if it were to rain like it did last year, how does this car, or how would this car perform uh, in uh, racing on a, a road course with a, a new tire, uh, you know, and a new car? Um, so that's uh, one thing I'm looking at, I guess. But I think the teams that have been good on road courses in the past are probably going to be good on road courses uh, to start out with uh, for this year. So I think, you know, Hendrick uh, Motorsports, um, I think Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson, I think both of them, uh, are probably favorites in this race. Uh, I think uh, you'll probably expect to see them both out front. Uh, for whatever reason, Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson are just really good at road course racing. I mean, uh, especially for Chase Elliott, kind of came out of nowhere. Larson, I think he he showed some um, uh, prowess, uh, some extra expertise uh, before um, before he came to Hendrick, but you know now, especially he's been able to uh, dominate on road courses. Uh, so that should be interesting. Um, AJ Allmendinger uh, is going to be back in the 16 car this weekend. Uh, so that car, expect that car to contend uh, in this race. Uh, who else? Uh, that could be a factor. Um, uh, Boris said is going to be racing for Carl Long, which uh, should be interesting, um, especially for this car being a new car. And we've seen some, uh, I mean, especially at Daytona, we saw uh, some cars uh compete up front that don't normally compete and this may end up being uh something like that um you know we've seen uh track house go out and contend on a weekly basis uh so so maybe uh, uh boris said i mean it's a long it's a very very long shot but you know uh, if they got a top 30 finish that'd probably be a good good day for uh that team um Andy Lally's coming back uh this race uh so that should be exciting uh to to watch um you know the all these road course guys uh start suddenly coming back uh for this race you know kind of feels like the old you know mid 2000s early 2000s when you had a lot of uh road course ringers uh show up uh for these uh road course races at Sonoma and Watkins Glen and now you know extending this out to um uh Dakota and especially with this new car uh being very very uh road course centric uh, it seems like and uh expect it to definitely handle uh pretty well on the road courses. Uh, Joey Hand is another ringer maybe they could watch out for. You know, our best friends over at uh, Wickware Racing, you know, they seem to do good uh, pa you know, pocketing the change. And, you know, no Phil hates him, but uh, seemingly they've found a way to exist in the, the Cup Series. Uh, and I guess this week, Joey Hand uh, could, you know, potentially, I mean, I don't think it will happen or anything like that, but um, it could be interesting if, you know, they could get a, a top 30, I guess, in, in this uh, in this race. Um, I think 
other guys to look out for on the road courses. You know, I think Truex could be a threat. Um, I think Denny Hamlin might be uh, somebody to look out for uh, this weekend. Uh, definitely uh, even Bowman, I think, even though I don't think he's as good as uh, Larson and Elliott. Uh, Alex Bowman might be somebody to look out for. Uh, Kurt and Kyle Busch, I think both of them uh, definitely, uh, you know, they could uh, definitely be threats on road courses. Uh, both of them have won on road courses, so uh, foresee them both being up front. Um, Tyler Reddick, I think he had a good run last year uh, at this race. Uh, definitely could have been a contender at the end before the rains cut everything oh, short, and he did qualify in pole. I remember that now, yes. So uh, look out for maybe him to be able to run up front potentially, uh, in this race. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. And, uh, I do remember, I think in the off season, Austin Dillon did, did some racing at, at Coda. Um, and, uh, I think another driver did as well, but I, I do remember Austin, uh, Dillon, uh, running a race at, at Coda during the off season, uh, at some point. So could see him potentially, yeah, maybe being somebody that could be in the top 15 or top 10, uh, in this race. And then, you know, of course, uh, can't forget Austin Sindrick, the tuba player, uh, you know, who played tuba in high school. So he got a lot of respect for him. I, you know, I did band in high school as well. So I uh, learned that about him this week and uh, definitely like his story. But uh, he's definitely somebody that could be a, a big threat, especially being somebody who's very cerebral uh, like him. Um, you know, very much a, a thinking man's uh, type of racer, you know, someone who makes very calculated decisions on the racetrack and, um, you know, knows how to take care of his car. Uh, so, uh, a lot of guys here, I think could be factors, uh, in this race, but you know, I, I, I think, yeah, I'm going to go with Gumby for this race. I think picking this race, I'll, I'll go with Austin Sindrick. Um, definitely, definitely like him a lot. So, um, I think this is a race for him to lose. So, you know, why not go with the, the hot hand? Uh, well, I don't say he's the hot hand right now, but definitely he's, uh, this, this type of track suits his style, uh, for sure. Um, but you know, don't be surprised the Hendrick guys be up front. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, it's, I guess a wild card potentially, um, there's a lot to pick for a wild card and it's hard, you know, sometimes pick, but you know, I'm gonna go with Ross Chastain as a wild card. Um, and let's just go with, uh, the track house cars, you know, continuing to bring up the positive momentum, maybe can get a top 10 or a top 15 out of this run here at Coda. Um, and you know the way that things out uh, play out on road courses definitely might seem up there uh at the end uh, you know in, in the top 10 uh sneaking in a, a good finish so um that's i guess my opinion of this uh track uh, you know we'll see what happens on sunday but you know looking forward to watching uh these cars go on the first road course race on the schedule yeah and hopefully it'll be in the dry uh after last year's debacle that took place at uh coda in the cup series i mean josh mentioned the ringers uh, of course one of my my heroes as a set head um he'll be in the mbm 66 not sure how competitive they'll be but they'll be out there Gaz grollo will be back with um you know, mayweather's car Penzimins is gonna make his debut for his dad's team after toiling around the xfinity series all year uh, in the back in various vehicles uh, mentioned joey hand of course, former Ford uh, factory driver in the Ganassi G- Ford GT program, amongst other rides he's had. 
overall winner of the Raw Sport. A great road racer, great sports car racer, BMW, uh, former Goyette Atlantic driver, too. Once upon a time, along with A.J. Allmendinger. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger, of course, being in this race means you would be a favorite to be able to go and stay with the likes of the Bushes, Truex, Bell, and some of these other ones be kind of hard. Um, I'm picking Truex to win this weekend. I think a wild card pick, somebody that's not in the way up in the points. I'm curious. It's early in the season, so I'm going to change that over. Yeah, so that's the game over there. Trying to figure out that's not what I wanted. Um, trying to figure out who else I can find. Uh, yeah, two. I just want point. Uh, the points. The um, points standing. Trying to look at the point standings there. Yeah, so, well, I mean, in terms of somebody who's a wild card, so I'm doing it on the basis of anybody who's outside top 20 in points. I mean, you know, I'm trying to see that. I think the best option would be uh, Denny Hamlin. So I'm going full Gibbs here this weekend out of my comfort zone. But That's really a wild card. That's pretty wild. I mean, it's wild because I'm doing this justification because he's 25th in point. Not because it, it, I, he's a road course winner, um, and I get all that, but he's had a rough start to the year in the sense of where he's at right now. He's not going to be a wild be eligible to be a wild card pick much longer. Um, so I figured I'll sneak in Denny Hamlin when I have a chance. Because other than that, I mean, whatever you have, like if you look at what the points are outside of like the top 20, I mean, I guess if I, I mean, Sindrick's 17th in points. He has a win, but he's 17th in points. So in theory, he could be like a wild, like a construed as a wild card, even though he is a road racer. Um, so things have changed a little bit, but in the end, um, we will see uh, what they're able to do there in Xfinity. Um, the 43 for 43 for 38. And then you have trying to get the owner points and see how many races. I'm going to get over there. I'm going to figure out who's where. Guard to this field in the Xfinity series. I'm going to go through my thing. I'll go through the ones that, let's see. I mean, Miguel Paluto is going to be out there in the 88 for Junior Motorsports. Uh, Jeremy Clemens, of course, always looking for that elusive second win. Sage Karen will be in the Alpha Prime 44. Will Rogers will be in the RSS 38. Uh, trying to go and do who else. I mean, Bubba Wallace is going to actually be making a rare Xfinity start because he sucks on road courses. And so he needs all the help he can get on road can, courses for sure. Yeah, yeah so I that's that's uh, definitely going to be somebody to watch. Custard is going to be in the um, 07 car um, again. And then uh, he's trying to see. I'm going to pick Almendinger really i'm going chalk uh the wild card pick the wild card pick god wild card pick i'm gonna go with miguel paluto because i mean he spends his regular year in the brazilian stock car series road course base series but they do have a couple of ovals um he's got junior motorsports equipment so he knows he has good equipment he ran relatively well given the limited appearances he made last year figure that's a safe play in general so aj almeninger and Paluto are my picks uh, for the Xfinity. I I think as for me, you know, this, I mean, you, you took my pick right out of my hand. I wanted to pick Almondinger. This is the easy pick because he's good at road course racing. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was I was wanting to do it, but, you know, I have to go in a different direction here and have to actually look at this. Uh, 
I'll I'll go Ty Gibbs, honestly. Uh, and he's won Daytona before uh, Daytona Road Course uh, last year as his first career win in Xfinity. So why not? Let's go with it. Uh, go with the kid uh, this year in Xfinity to win the first Xfinity Road Course race of the year, just like last year. Um, last year at at Coda, did he? Uh, did he race at Coda last year? No. So this is a new track for him. Yeah. Uh, Kyle everything. Busch ran last year, and uh, I think he won. Yeah, but he still has a, a good road course record overall uh, in this uh, Xfinity series. And you know, he won Daytona, finished third at Mid Ohio um, last year. Won Watkins Glen also, so another track um, and everything. So yeah, the, it it fits, and uh, I mean he he's done well uh in this uh type of racing uh so far in his career so yeah why not let's go with it so yeah i'll go ty gibbs as a uh the pick and then i think you know for me uh, as wild card um you know let's let's go with alex lebay why not he's uh seems like he's done pretty well on the road courses in the past um somebody that you know tried to do testing at daytona road course you know, back uh, in 2020 when they used that as one of the replacement races, but, uh, you know, they got caught, but he seems to be somebody that can get the job done as needed on road courses. So I'll go with uh, Alex LeBay as my uh, wild card this week in Xfinity. Yeah, former, uh, what do you call, uh, Pinty Series champion. So a lot of their races are on road courses, street courses, and then very, very short ovals. So um, he is very capable. His best career finish was at the Roval. So it's um, not out of the realm the way DGM Racing is showing up this year. Their team seems to be re-energized in a lot of ways um, and looking better. So possibly Alex will be can get get a win the truck series race um and go and close out all that the expel 225 will uh 39 for 36 alex bowman is going to be in the spires number seven chevy the number 20 truck for trying to go that's number 37 Number 20 truck um, is going to be Sheldon Creed. So former truck series champion will be back. The three truck uh, was withdrawn. Um, trying to go and look at the other people there. Um, Josh, who do you look at for uh, pick to win and uh, wild card for this uh, weekend truck series event? I think, you know, for me, um, you know, it's pretty difficult because uh, the, there's not a whole lot of road course talent, I feel like, in the truck series, but you know, based on last year, I mean, you could go in a lot of directions here. Um, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I mean, I think the easy pick is to pick Kyle Bush. So, you know, I'm going to go with him. Probably stole that one right out of your bread basket there, but Kyle Bush, uh, going out last year, winning Xfinity, you know, why not go in truck race this year in Xfinity or in trucks? So, uh, I'll pick him as the winner. Uh, wild card. Uh, I'll go with uh, Kaz Grala. Um, he's uh, done pretty well on road courses in the past. I feel like, and somebody that's pretty underrated overall as a driver. So go with him uh, as my uh, wild card pick uh, this weekend. But yeah, expect a lot of probably a lot of crashing overall in this race. I feel like um, you know we say that a lot about this series but i feel like definitely with the road courses um definitely there's going to be a lot more uh incompetence uh across 
you know, all three series, this is probably going to be the, the one that shows the lack of talent the most, I think. There's going to be a lot of aji-baji, as uh, um, Calvin Fish would like to say, um, here this weekend during these three races. Um, my winner for the Truck Series race, trying to see, so no, I would have picked Priest if he was in there. Not sure what's going on with a couple of these drivers here. In regards to a victor in this race, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I'm not even sure about it. Um, I figured John Hunter gets off the Schneid here in 2022 and starts his title defense in the or not title time. I think I'm thinking of him, but anyway, going in and starting his 2022 chance to get a title uh, the right way after struggles earlier in the season. In regards to a wild card pick for this truck series race, most everybody is wild when is in the building let's see kind of uh, i'm trying to think of regular you know that'll go and show um going to uh, pick i'm gonna go pick go with sheldon creed the number 20 for young's motorsport go out there and possibly seek a truck series win there this weekend at circuit america's first uh win sad in a while um if that were to happen so we'll move towards the um formula one saudi preview um josh you have the floor in regards to saudi sure i you know i i think um this is gonna be an interesting race um you know, with uh, Saudi uh, so early on the calendar, you know, compared to last year when it was one of the um, end races. I mean, it was the race before the finale, and this is the last race that r- racetrack that Lewis Hamilton won at, you know, before everything happened. Um, and we came into that track last year with a huge championship battle, and now, you know, we don't have uh, that this year, but we do have a lot of different storylines uh, going into this. Um, I mean, if we were going to go off of last year, I mean, I'd probably pick, uh, you know, either one of the Red Bulls or uh, one of the Mercedes uh, to win because I, you know, I think all four of those drivers could win at this racetrack given the opportunity and and the circumstances. But uh, you know, things have changed. We got a new car. Um, seems to be a lot of reliability issues for one of them with uh, Red Bull. Um, Mercedes seems to have a lack of pace right now, but certainly they're not worried about that long term, uh, especially with. Uh, the way that the regulations are going to work out uh, over the season uh, and everything, so we'll see what happens uh, there. Um, you know, I think uh, I, I think possibly Ferrari again will be on top this weekend. So two in a row, two for two so far to start the year for Ferrari. Uh, we'll go with uh, Charles Leclerc to win uh, the race uh, overall, and then you know maybe we see his teammate Carlos Sainz. Uh, finish in second or wherever he, uh, he is, but I expect both of them to be competitive. Um, you know, I expect Haas to once again be competitive. Uh, you know, we'll see if uh, they can start off the year kind of like how they began their uh, F1 career with uh, Romain Grosjean finishing sixth place and then getting an eighth in China, sixth place at Australia and going getting an eighth in China in 2016 when they debuted, and maybe Kevin Magnussen getting get a, a fifth and then possibly another points finish uh, for Haas. Uh, really exciting debut uh, for Haas there. Um, I think other teams to look out for, um, obviously um, McLaren, they've got a lot to recover from uh, this year uh, so far. I mean, they did not have a, a great uh, great debut to their season with the issues that they had at uh, at by rain so i think this year they've got to got to have a um better car going into uh 
going into um, Saudi Arabia. Um, they they did not qualify well, so they got to work on their qualifying setup. Um, they've got to work on their race setup as well. Um, they did not really have a good performance. Um, they've got to have a better tire change or tire uh, choice for the race. Um, and they need to be able to, you know, get their tires into the right temperature window. Um, I think, uh, once, you know, once they get into the season, you know, I think both of these guys, uh, Dan Ricardo, he's kind of in a year where he's got to prove that he earned the seat in McLaren. And then I think, you know, with Lando Norris, he's got to be able to prove that he's one of the guys in the young, uh, generation that can compete. And if they come out and have, uh, two duds to start the year, that's going to be a really hard, uh, start, uh, to their season. Um, I think you have to look at it in terms of their ability to have a good performance. Um, I mean, other teams, let's see what Alpine does. Um, if uh, Fer- Fernando Alonso um, can get into the points, uh, that would certainly be something. And then I think, you know, Espan Ocon also, you know, if they uh, are able to finish in the points in their uh, race uh, to start the year, uh, both of them got points uh, at Saudi or not at Saudi Arabia, but at Bahrain. So continue the positive momentum going into the year. Um, you know, other, yeah, you bring up the Ferrari customers. I mean, you had Valtteri Botas, I mean, finished basically in the same spot. He probably would have finished last year to start the year, uh, you know, with Mercedes and now with Alfa Romeo Ferrari customer running Ferrari engines. Um, and then teammate, you know, rookie, uh, Zhu, um, Guanu, I don't, know how to pronounce his name, but uh, Alfa Romeo, teammate to uh, Valtteri Bottas, running Ferrari engines. Yo, Guan Yu. Yeah, so Yo, Guan Yu. Yeah, so uh, really uh, challenging, you know, really a good rookie uh, to start the year. So if he's able to go out and finish in the top 10, get points once again, you know, it's a great debut to start the year. Um, so, you know, some of these uh, teams, you know, that we expected to kind of be there, you know, to start the year, um, with the exception of Red Bull, I mean, you thought maybe Aston Martin um, and McLaren, really, I think those are the two teams that I would have thought would have done better, but they didn't to start the year. So they've got a lot of work to do to be able to um, go into this race and finish 